This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Super Serious Film Fest, our theme series of movie reviews. This season covers the best and the worst of Nick Cage. The summer and winter of his career. In what we're calling Season of the Cage. So, Con Air. Uh-huh. Where where we stand on Con Air? What do you what, what do you think of Con Air? Uh, it's one of those movies that I hate, but I love. It, it's it's a bad movie that I really loved watching as a late teen mm. uh, when this thing came out. It's the script is really sloppy, but it has a lot of high points to to counteract its low points. Um, I think there is some decent action in the movie. Uh, I enjoy the privilege of watching Nick Cage do a couple of bad accents in this movie. Uh, I enjoy John Malkovich chewing a little bit of scenery, too. There's a lot to love with the lot to hate. How about you? I think this movie is shitty The Rock. (laughs) You're not wrong. And I guess that's my... Because I saw in the forums, there's people saying, you know, when when we were putting this into the bad Nick Cage, they were taking exception and umbrage. I don't know how tongue in cheek it was, but I I just think that this is a bad film, and it was fun to watch, like in the live watch with you, just to rip it and like laugh Mm -hmm. and joke. God, Nick Cage's hair is like a balding Tarzan movie. What the fuck? It's amazing. I can't believe it. Who thought who that a whole team? Approve that. Dude, just wait until it gets in the wind. Like, there's no wind yet on this plane. I, I did get to see his dopey. <laughs> but to sit here and watch it in isolation for pleasure, I just feel like there are much better action-adventure movies that have better characters, that are more internally consistent, that have better action, uh, that... That you know, there's a lot of times we talk about this is the walk on The Walking Dead, right? Like an action set piece is meaningless unless you understand the stakes and unless you and unless you're invested in the stakes. And unfortunately, this movie completely lost me in the first 15 minutes and never able was ever able to get it back. So unless we're talking about an exercise of drunkenly jeering and mocking it mm-hmm. uh, as it flails around in its performance, I, I wouldn't voluntarily watch this movie again. I'd rather watch. Uh, Predator or The Rock or uh, I mean honestly I'd, I'd prefer the the Rock's The Rundown I'd rather watch The Rock or The Rock in something else rather than the Nick Cage in a bad wig uh, doing subpar stunts and stuff in, in this movie well that's exactly what I hope to do today is yeah. to just just hold this movie down and give it a bunch of wedgies and noogies purple nurbles yeah because that's all you can really do with this movie okay well for people that don't know or are late to the party uh con air is a movie about a soldier cameron poe played by one nicholas cage who's unfairly sentenced to a lengthy prison stay for defending his pregnant wife from drunken bullies after accidentally killing one of the assailants he forms a bond with his baby girl from behind the prison bars 
and counts the days until he's reunited with his two girls in his life. After eight years, he's paroled and is transported along with a plane full of hardened criminals back to his home state of Alabama. Along the way, the plane is hijacked by criminal mastermind Cyrus the Virus, played by John Malkovich. On the ground, the good guys are represented by John Larkin, a U.S. Marshal played by John Cusack, and Malloy, a tough-talking DA agent played by Star Trek's own Calm Meany. Poe is conflicted as he wants to get back to his baby girl, but he's unwilling to abandon a diabetic prisoner who will die unless he receives medical treatment within the next few hours. Along the way, complications arise, crosses are doubled, and we somehow crash a plane on the Las Vegas Strip, which sets up a ridiculous running battle through the streets of Vegas involving tons of police and a hijacked ladder truck. And somehow we are left measurably dumber along the way. Can I present an alternate synopsis of this movie? Okay. It's about a man who loves uh, a prisoner more than his wife and daughter. Yeah. That, that's really the core of this movie is I would rather save this man who, let's keep in mind, we don't know much about this man. The one thing we do know is that he is in the same prison block where Nicolas Cage was put after he murdered someone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So likely a bad dude who has done bad shit, right? <laughs> He's also an insulin-dependent diabetic that Nick Cage befriends by giving him hostess snowballs. I just now realized how <laughs> fucked up that is. You're 100% right. Maybe oh, wow. Nick Cage gave him diabetes. You're giving this guy a, pro- a pure sugar product, uh-huh. and he has to have daily insulin reje- uh, injections to balance <laughs> him out. That's, that's not how any of that works. The funny thing is I can understand why Nicolas Cage loves this man more than his family because he's seen this man more than his family. True. Like he has more of a relationship with baby O than he does with Casey his or his baby. wife. Yeah. I mean, th- th- he spent seven years with this man, right? Right. How many years has he spent with his wife? Like one, two. I, don't I mean, know. they made it clear that he was in the army before this. And he and just got back. He off. just got back. Right. Which is a stroke of bad luck. I right. mean, well, it, the other thing is, that was but all... he needs to at least tell them, is my point. Like, if he's going to love a man more than he loves them, tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't He can't Freddie Mercury, this poor woman. <laughs> no. I don't buy for a second that a judge in Alabama is going to sentence, is going to throw the book at a veteran mm-hmm. that is assaulted with a deadly weapon as he's defending his pregnant wife. He the, had a deadlier weapon, though. That's the his, problem. His, yeah, his, yeah, his open palm strike to this guy's face. I mean, that doesn't and, and especially they got he's got this big fat sweaty hillbilly lawyer that's like look Poe mm-hmm. you know if you just plead plead guilty to something you didn't do you know you can get out in like a year or two but you know if you, you go stand trial you're going to get 10 years then we cut to the judge saying you've pled guilty but because you're a soldier and your hands are deadly weapons you have to be treated extraordinary and he gives him 10 years anyway right like this guy's got to have the worst lawyer to agree to a plea deal that's somehow worse or <laughs> as bad as the maximum penalty he could have gotten by having his day in court. I mean, you can tell this is a bad lawyer just by looking at him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, this guy is disheveled. It, it looks like he just rolled out of bed, forgot right. he had a court case, and rushed out in a taxi to get there. Yeah, he looks like he's not maybe a lawyer. He's a para-lawyer like Danny uh-huh. DeVito in The Rainmaker. <laughs> like, he may, might... He, yeah, he's got a law degree, but he hasn't quite passed the bar. He's tried six times, though. 
No, the sentence is to make Nicolas Cage, and they try this with a couple of characters in the movie. I don't think it works either time. Is to make him look like a badass, right? Like, oh, he, he's his fists are so powerful. He's mm-hmm. such a deadly weapon that we have to lock him up because he doesn't play by the same laws yeah. as everyone else. Yeah, and, and they're doing that because they want you to think Nick Cage is a badass. Unfortunately, it has the exact opposite effect for me, yeah. which is to make me laugh at this fucking judge who's an mm-hmm. idiot, mm-hmm. laugh at the entire judicial system mm-hmm. in the process. And it does nothing for Nick Cage's character. No, it makes him look like a dumbass, not a badass. Yeah. And can we talk... So, he's essentially doing his high character from Raising Arizona, uh-huh. who, when when you, you've got Nick Cage looking like Nick Cage and sounding like Nick Cage in Raising Arizona, high from Raising Arizona is not a genius. Fuck no. I feel like I took that experience into this movie and think, well, this guy is just dumb. But they also want him to be like, you, like, uh, you know, his special forces. Like, if this is a Navy SEAL, I, I, every, I take it for granted that among the other things Navy SEALs are, is they're all very smart, very smart, capable, uh, capable of of rational thought, complex thinking, teamwork, all these things. Poe is none of these things. Mm-hmm. Everything he he touches turns to shit in this movie. Yeah. So he's dumb. He he. Well, the accent is doing a lot of heavy lifting on making me think that he's dumb and i know yeah. not all people with that accent are dumb i don't want to like no we've seen justified brush we've seen justified right but you, you can you can tell a story of guys talk like that that are you can brilliant. Boyd crowder is is a, a brilliant man yeah uh but, but the accent especially coming out of nick cage's face is mm. not doing good things here and it's not just that that you know, it's it's a southern accent. It's that he doesn't do a great southern accent either. It's, in fact, a pretty bad one. Right. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Uh-huh. It's the worst fucking accent I've ever heard. And he gets to do two bad accents in this movie because when he goes to prison, he starts practicing Spanish. Yes. And he gets to do an awful Spanish accent as well. Yeah. His accent sounds like every sentence should be uh, ended with a uh-huh. <laughs> right. Like a go- it's, a, it's a goofy. He's doing goofy. He really is, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mickey, uh-huh. I mean, it's, 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 it's something to behold. It's amazing. But, the, I mean, the hair also contributes. I mean, it, it's so funny to me to see the juxtaposition of... Nick Cage in the best shape of his life. Yeah. I mean, let's not let's not make any bones about it, right? He looks yeah. great, like from a muscle perspective. Yeah, he does. From He's... a build perspective. Uh, but the hair. I mean, the hair does nothing for this character. Who decided to give Nick Cage this long flowing hair, but with the same male pattern baldness that he has in real life? I know. It does it does look a bit ridiculous. It's like one of those guys like he seems like the kind of guy that is going to grow his hair out long and tie it back in a ponytail and just have a bald spot up top. That's never I a mean good he's gonna look. be a Klingon, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially what he's gonna turn into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I it's it's crazy. And they even like showcase it a couple times, like when he steps off the prison bus and he breathe there's a scene of him breathing in the free air and he kinda God. smiles dopey and like closes his eye, let the sun's in his and you can see kind of his long flowing but sparse populated locks <laughs> these patchy these his the top of his head looks like a teenager trying to grow out their first beard <laughs> right. he's got a, he's got a neck beard on his head uh-huh. and I, I don't it's it's a crazy crazy ass thing that's no, glorious uh so uh, going back to the spanish thing real quick i do want to talk about this because i don't think that anything 
other than the picture and the bunny mm -hmm. in this opening jail montage ever comes of of anything in the movie comes like, to anything like i said him learning spanish so so i actually think spanish is the worst of it but there's <laughs> origami uh I'll, I'll come back to spanish oh, in a yeah, second yeah, the yeah. origami yeah doesn't go anywhere right like he creates this amazing crane and he makes right. it flap and he right. it goes nowhere i think you're supposed to i think that's supposed to make him look smarter like he's this uh <laughs> oh warrior God. philosopher and and there's a scene of like this this prison is in a full riot mode yeah there's things on fire there's men running around screaming and he's just in his bunk you know reading his origami book or whatever it's like they want you to think that he is the Sean Connery character from The Rock. Mm -hmm. That in prison, he's bettering himself and, and yeah. flexing his mind. He's like the good guy version of Cyrus the Virus. But everything else about his character reads dumbass. Oh, shit. Uh, do you think his hair was influenced by Sean Connery in The Rock? Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't think about that until right now. Oh, do you think like, maybe this is all from Nick Cage? Is like, look, I've yeah. done, I've, I've done prison movies, and I'm telling you, a guy, a wrongfully imprisoned man, <laughs> is 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 driven by the the emotional betrayal to grow his hair out as a rebel as a sign of rebellion against society. Hell maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. I okay, I think we that. just cracked that puzzle. His his uncle Francis Ford Coppola said, "Hey, you know Marlon Brando used to shove his mouth full of cotton balls, and no one knew what the hell he's doing." But Godfather, and he's like, oh, "Okay, I'm going to get some quirky acting things," and yeah. that's his quirky acting thing. The, yeah, the fucked up thing is, I think this is the least quirky acting I've ever seen Nicolas Cage do. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's he, like the director came in and said, "We don't want Nicolas Cage, yeah, but we're stuck with him. Let's make him do nothing." He never gets out of stage one cage. No. I mean, I mean he's not even Cage in this This movie. isn't even a Nick Cage performance. No. But let's go back to the Spanish thing. Because I think the Spanish thing is actually a big mistake. Because at some point in this movie, uh, there's this letter in Cyrus's cell that mm. is written in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And the only whiff of Spanish that we have in this movie, period, up to that point, is mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage practicing Spanish. And yeah. I feel like this mistakenly would lead the audience to connect some dots One and think, Oh shit, Nicholas Cage is in on it. Or he, this, he's going to be able to blow the lid off of it. It's one of the many unfinished off ramps to yeah. on ramps that this movie has. that just kind of blows, blows by. You can clearly see they're meant to take this exit and they're like, mm -hmm. ah, nah. Uh, so then we get to like the prison, uh, transfer the prisoner transfer. Mm hmm. And you get the the kind of standard movie lineup thing where they go through each of the prisoners and they talk about them. Uh, and Ving Rhames gets out there. He's Diamond Dog. Mm -hmm. uh, I was happy to see Ving Rhames in this movie because mm -hmm. I forgot that he was in it. Right. Because uh, his character, you think he's going to be a major player in this movie, mm -hmm. and he's kind of not. Yeah. He's kind of just like everybody except for Cyrus, who is the major player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh and I just found it funny that, like, they go through everybody, and then Nicolas Cage, oh, he's nobody. But I guess Ving Rhames sold the rights to a book of his life story of being a black militant leader. In the universe? In, in the universe okay, okay. Of, of, yeah. Because I'm like, oh, man, what if Ving Rhames actually did a fictional biography of Diamond Dog oh, and did that? that that's like, I kind of want to buy that. <laughs> the, the, this is introduced as, like, a complication, potentially, for everybody, but Cyrus in particular... But we ne we're promised the day of the dog. The day of the dog never comes. Dude, I waited this entire fucking movie twice, hoping, like, on second watch that I had missed it in the live watch. Right. I was looking for the day of the dog, and right. it never comes. And there's a scene where he 
you know, he breaks it down to Nicolas Cage. He says, oh, I'm just I'm playing the Uncle Tom, essentially, until mm-hmm. we get to where we're going. And then it's the day of the dog. I was just wondering what a black militant, uh, that would be you, was doing taking orders from a white boy on a power trip. Don't you think that's strange? It's a means to an end, my white friend. A means to an end. See, eyes can play house nigga till we get to where we're going. And then the day of the dog begins. The day of the dog means taking orders from the white guy again? Yeah, like, throughout to, to, for the whole movie until you're dead. Right, until you fucking fall off the back of that fire truck. And like, it's, I don't, I'm not saying that the day of the dog should have gone over successful. It should have been a smashing success. But I think the the day the dog never got started. It didn't. Like Ving, like Ving Rhames kept hitting the snooze button on the day of the dog. Ah, I got. And they need fifteen more minutes. <laughs> and then he just kept on hitting snooze, kept on sitting snooze, and midnight strikes, and he missed. He, he slept through the day of the dog. Yeah. How in the fuck, in retrospect, did they get all of these fairly successful and highly regarded actors to be in this movie? Like that had to be unnecessarily expensive. They went through this phase of like these action movies just being loaded with stars. Armageddon's mm-hmm. the same way, you yeah. Know? And there, there's a lot of this is kind of like getting the band together. Like you just get as many famous names as you possibly can uh, to be in like top to bottom all these roles, even if they don't call for it. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, can we talk about Cole Meany? Okay, because yeah. we we talk about so they introduce these guys are supposed to be opposites. You know, you've got the Birkenstock wearing. A uh, guy who wants to talk about the brutalization of criminals, but is skeptical of black power movements versus Cole Meany, who pulls up in this classic vet wearing driving gloves. God. And he just says he's got just some incredible lines of dialogue like this is a guy who will illegally park against all of the handicapped parking spots but then also say that anyone that breaks the law deserves to be treated like treated like an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who also says, Have you found Ben Slarkin? We're having trouble reaching him, sir. Of course you're having trouble reaching him. He's off saving the rainforest or recycling his sandals or some shit. He's shitting on the environment. He's shitting on the concept of recycling. This guy is a, just a caricature. He and, is, yeah. And he, I mean, I guess that's the, the charm of this movie is... Everyone plays this broadly painted brush role, and no one ever surprises you with playing against that type. So it's kind of easy to keep score. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this is chock full of stereotypes and chock full of characters who are just caricatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole Meany being maybe oh, the least of those. I just re- I just looked at my notes. The, the, the Diamond Dog's exact... The, he's mentioned that he's the general of the Black Gorillas. Yes, that is a quote from the film. Nathan Jones, a.k.a. Diamond Dog, former general of the Black Gorillas. So like, I, I see Jerry Bruckheimer, he's with the writer, he's like, uh, we want this guy to be like a Black Panther type, but we can't do Black Panther because that's a real, it might piss people off. What animal could we pick? What animal could we pick to, to represent an angry black man that won't piss people off like Black Panther? I get it, some form of ape. Yes, yes, let's make him be the, the leader of the black gorillas, an angry black... Like, what the yeah, fuck? I mean, this I, is crazy town. Right, I look at some of this and I go, this needs to be satire, but it's nowhere near fucking smart enough to be satire. <laughs> no. Not even close. No, 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 And no, so no. it can't be, and so now it's just wraps all the way back around to offensive. Right, right. And I... 
Like, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do about something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do you think Jerry Bruckheimer meant well? Do you think he just doesn't no, know? I just thought he didn't care. Like, it doesn't was, know, it was the enough, late right? 90s. Yeah. Like, what will get people worked up on every side of the aisle? Let's just, let's yeah. just do that. I, I just think uh, people in general were a lot less aware of these kinds of issues. And to throw it into the most mainstream of mainstream films... Mm-hmm nobody batted an eye Mm -hmm. back then now you oh my god if this script came out and leaked and you Uh saw fuck oh ving rain is going to be the leader of the black gorillas huh yeah people would be up in arms they would change that immediately never makes it to screen no no i think i think ving rain says fuck you if they approach him for that probably because there's a lot of uh you know in the further you go back in hollywood the more i think minority characters are willing to swallow some shit Mm -hmm. just to get the work but like nowadays i yeah that's just shit wouldn't fly uh, another piece of lazy scripting because they're just all this stuff is supposed to like sell us on how mean and tough these guys are. Cyrus the virus is introduced. Uh-huh. He's 39 years old. He spent 25 years in institutions. Holy now, shit. Okay. I'm not a math expert, but that means if he served 25 consecutive years and he never got in and out, he didn't have that. He first went to jail when he was 14 juvie, I guess. Yeah. What the fuck did this... What kind of hell did this guy raise at 14 that he would then spend the rest of his life in prison? Murder. (laughs) I mean, it's just like... I, I he needed to, I don't know it's just like well here's what? here's the thing I think his prison sentence kept getting extended because they also make it clear oh. he's killed eleven people right. in jail he went to he he's went he went to spend six months in juvie right. like when he was twelve years old but then he murdered a person and then they <laughs> right. just kept on and then once shit every on. two years from then out yeah 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 murder and then, murder no murder. you tried to escape okay there's another and then uh-huh. now you led a prison riot now you're up to okay but yeah, yeah he would have been out like over he probably got arrested for like TPing a house or something. Something, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's and the, here the we system. are 25 years later and he's still in. Yeah. They introduce also the Dan, uh, Danny Trejo as Johnny 23. Mm-hmm. So named because he's committed uh, 23 rapes. He's yeah. convicted. And it's that interesting. They know of. He's also got a tattoo for each one. So he says, well, it's the truth. There, there's a couple points I want to make. Number one, this really makes me rethink what I think about Johnny Five from Short Circuit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it does. Like Ali Sheedy's, Ali Sheedy's really, really lucky, right? For sure. That, that he didn't become Johnny Six. But uh, also, so he makes the points like, well, the truth, the true record would be known to be Johnny 600. You've raped 600 women? Is that fucking... Po- this is like the Wilt Chamberlain of rapes. <laughs> and also... You celebrate this enough to have tattoos over your body. Why do you tattoo only the ones you're convicted of? Right, right. That's a damn fine question. Uh, the truth to me is that it's 23. Mm-hmm. That's the actual real number. Right, and, he, and that the 600 is all bluster. Right. Like, but like, he, that's the other thing. He's like, man, Danny Trejo, you played a guy who's who's trying to inflate your rape counts, man. I don't think that's another thing that would fly today. No, it was the 90s, man. It's the uh, <laughs> it yeah, different. It's a hell of a hell of a drug. The 90s. So do you want to talk anything about like the actual escape plan here? The escape attempt hinges on them setting this poor uh, Native American on fire and then the guards on the plane playing everything wrong. Yeah. They open the door and just all kind of flood through and they all get keystone copped and I, it's... They it leave just, the doors open behind them. Yeah. Uh, the the pilots and the pilot and co-pilot right. decide we're going to get on, in on the action instead of right. landing the plane right. like they should and yeah. letting law enforcement take care of the situation. Yeah, because there's no guns on board. We'll get yeah. also big asterisks on that. We'll get to that later. They made a big deal about there's no guns on board. Mm-hmm. 
the only gun is in a lockbox in the... But why give the pilot the ultimate gun authority? <laughs> right. Shouldn't the lockbox be back with the inmates? Uh-huh. Because where, how, where they it, have some communication and understand the situation? Yeah. Or maybe there should be yeah. more than one compartment. You Like, there should be, like, uh, like a several layers of defense that you'd have to get to get to the cockpit. There are. They just leave them all open. Yeah. There are gates. There are doors. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, because if the pilot's just... they Like, this happens almost immediately on takeoff. The pilot's yeah. just like, oh, this shit's fucked up. Let's uh, circle back and land. Uh-huh. This movie is over. No, they have no protocols. And again, people could say, well, it's a dumb action movie, Aaron. And I could point to, like... But yeah, but we have movies like Predator and we have movies like The Rock that don't mm-hmm. do this stupid shit. So yeah, there's a blueprint for better. Uh, well, well, here's maybe the most egregious sin of this whole thing is that this movie is driven by the constant danger that they put the female guard in. Yes. The, the, <laughs> because she's like, they have to go back and save her, right? Right, Because right. If, they, if they don't open this gate, this whole thing is contained. They land the plane and all the prisoners go off. But yeah. they might, the prisoners might kill the female guard. Danny Trejo might rape the shit out of this female guard. That's the actual danger that they're putting her in throughout the whole movie. They got like a fox, hen, and bag of flowers situation where right. I think Mikkel, Michael T. Williamson is the chicken... <laughs> Uh, He's the, the bag of sugar. Danny He's Trejo. definitely the bag of sugar. The, fe- the female cop is the bag of grain, and uh, Cyrus is the farmer that's trying to get these guys across the boat. Because that's the other yeah. thing is they give Cyrus a grace note that he he's a totally amoral person he loves Mm -hmm. indiscriminate serial killers he loves prison riots he loves killing cops he loves killing inmates but he can't fucking stand a Mm -hmm. rape i know they've they've got to actually i'm not even sure what the fuck they're doing with that he's it's like he's a bad guy in every other arena but that one he's got this one moral line that they Mm -hmm. that he won't cross that that makes him more interesting it makes usually that's the card they play when they want the anti-hero to be sympathetic. Right. right, like he'll brutalize other criminals, but he like, hey, right. leave the children and women alone. Yeah. You know, that's, but but no, like this, like uh, he he idolizes a Garland Green who brags about wearing a girl, a young girl's head across three straight state lines. Like yeah. <laughs> this shit, again, it's a grace note to give a character that, that doesn't need a grace note. And also it's not a grace note. It just is weird. It's a bizarre tick. It is. Yeah. I got to say, once they get over the city and they're, and they drop pinball's body, a lot of stuff happens in between and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. But probably my favorite scene of the whole movie is when they drop pinball's body onto that car, that bird shit scene. I remember like really, really loving it when I was younger, and I think I still like it. Probably my favorite part of that pinball scene, though, I've got to say, is when he falls, he crushes the car, and then the car gets hit by other cars. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because first, okay, first it gets rear-ended. I could see that. Mm-hmm. But then there are no less than two cars that straight run a red light <laughs> full speed to bash that guy, T-bone right, him. Right, Four. This guy pulls in an intersection and four <laughs> objects immediately hit him right. from every conceivable from direction. Side, it's crazy. Like, the only thing he doesn't get slammed from is from, I'm surprised that like some gas... Uh, gas explosion from a manhole <laughs> yeah. doesn't hit him and blow him up like 20 feet in this, the, the air. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. There are huge problems. This dust storm that they land in yeah. is so clearly and obviously a solution to the problem. Well, why the fuck wouldn't they recognize Cyrus? Right, right. When he steps out of this plane right. and conducts this exchange. 
so they solve that problem, right? With, uh-huh. oh, it's a dust storm and it's yeah, a, yeah. they're wearing fucking masks. Then he yanks his fucking mask down and says, hey, I'm Cyrus the Virus, by the way. And also, mm-hmm. can we get the prisoner exchange going? Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem that they introduce is this plane would never fucking land at that airport they would never get clearance to land in that dust storm and And if they did they would never get fucking clearance to take off in that dust storm yeah and also did cyrus plan on a dust dust storm to happen because that's the only way that he otherwise he'd just be like like jeffrey dahmer or charles manson taking over uh, steps off that plane and says i'm here for the prisoner exchange that's right like uh no you fucking aren't crazy I, i don't understand it they needed to solve that problem, but they did it in a way that introduced more problems. Yeah. They also switched to transponders on these planes with, uh, you know, like a sightseeing. I mean, I get it. The transponder is tracking, but are, isn't someone in air traffic control monitoring the situation? Like, they've got this very large military aircraft taking off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has no transponder. Wouldn't air traffic control? This is like a this is a, a United States air facility. Wouldn't they be like, what the fuck is this plane? Yeah, like yeah, the transponder the that... makes things easier, but this is a very large radar signature. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, the transponder you're expecting to take off is just still sitting there in the hangar. And and you know why they put uh, air traffic controllers in those giant towers, right? It's so that they can see, right? That they can survey the land yeah, and yeah, see yeah. where the planes are yeah. and visually verify yeah. that things are going the way they should. When they see a plane that is supposed to be a huge jail, a huge prison plane. Yeah, it's a military transport. <laughs> and they see that it says Uncle Bob's scenic tours on it. Yeah. They're just going to let that happen? They're hoping no one notices. I, well, I don't even think they're hoping no one notices. I don't think they themselves know what the problem They're like, yeah. we switch transponders. We just showed a guy hot wire a, 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 one of those giant mega 9-volt batteries. Problem solved. No, nothing is well considered here. And it gets even worse, too, because when John Cusack decides, oh, I'm going to drive to this airport, tell me how he beats them there. Because they make it clear. They say the number of miles per hour that this plane is traveling. The only problem is we're not doing 228 miles an hour. We're doing 205. We're dragging, baby. The landing gear ain't all the way up. You can't tell me that John Cusack that is doing sting, 250 miles not per hour. capable of 250 miles an hour. And the plane is going in a straight line. And right. he gave them a head start and left like 20 minutes after interviewing right. Cameron Poe's wife and child. Right. There's no fucking way he beats them to that <laughs> airport. It's impossible. He uses the time travel portals that Kiefer Sutherland uses in 24 to get around L.A. <laughs> right, right. In the space of, he like goes from one side of L.A. to the other in a space of a commercial break. It's the only thing that makes sense. Let's talk about all the problems about the semi-abandoned airfield. Okay. It looks like it should be an abandoned airfield. It really does, yeah. But they act like that this is a functional municipal airport that has a functional air traffic control that the Mexican cartel has had to go in and kill. Why is there a four-year-old girl unsupervised at the semi-abandoned airfield just to give... Steve Buscemi's off-brand Hannibal Lecter, a target to terrorize that he doesn't even do. Like, you expect him to, like, maybe be some kind of chaotic good, maybe, that he's going to throw. But he he literally doesn't do anything. He does nothing. And they they try to make him scary with a story and some bondage gear. That skinny little man butchers 30-something people up and down the eastern seaboard. They say the way he killed those people makes the Manson family look like the Butcher's family. Well, he's on the right flight. Yeah. Just like they do with Nick Cage, you right. know, with the story. And then his but, 
he's also one of the only ones that gets away. Like we're supposed yeah. to, feel, and it, they play, it, the, it's played like a sly laugh scene when you see him in Vegas, like betting. New shooter coming out. New shooter. Does the new shooter feel lucky? Well, does he? Yes, yes, he does. Flash forward to Con Air two, and he is just covered in hooker blood and everything else. He's got entrails wrapped around his head. It's yeah. I don't understand. That should just be gone from the script. Absolutely. Just take Steve Buscemi's character out entirely. He adds nothing. He adds, he adds, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like supposed to be like a red herring, but no one gives a shit. Like this isn't a mystery we're trying. This isn't no. a whodunit. No, and it's a two hour and 15 minute movie. You don't need those five minutes of Steve Buscemi in there at all. Oh boy. John Cusack's character, the U.S. Marshal makes a big deal about the only gun in this, in this whole airframe is a little pistol that we keep locked up in the in the pilot's box. Except for the brigade's worth of shotguns and machine guns. Grenade launchers. And grenade launchers that we keep in the belly of the plane. What okay, okay, what okay, possible wait, 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 purpose wait. could they could they load the belly of this this plane full of guns? The place they're going is an armed secure maximum facility. They have right. the gear they need to handle prisoners, right? And let me ask you what scenario would call for two grenade launchers? What possible scenario where this plane lands and the Criminals take over uh-huh. would be made better by a couple of explosions. Right. Like we saw when when they landed at the that Carson City there was already marshals there with tons of yeah. shotguns and shit. Yeah. You didn't see them like march out unarmed and get all their weapons they need off the plane. Like uh, it's just so they can have this elaborate shootout scene with the national with the fucking national guard. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So they can get John Cusack on an improvised tank, and so they can make John Malkovich look smart. They can make Cyrus mm-hmm. look like he's a tactical genius, yeah. right? Take out the front, take out the back, right. we'll trap him with like, a lot yeah, of dead bodies. Like I, I read Black Hawk Down too. I understand how to. <laughs> exactly. uh, I've seen this. I've seen clear and present danger. I understand how you take out an armored car- convoy. Also, did you know that you can crack open like twelve propane cylinders mm-hmm. and? Get the perfect air to gas mixture. And you can hotbox the whole world and make it go up with just, just with the, the light of a match. Like, what the hell? There are some truly huge explosions. I mean, that's the thing. Which like, were fun to watch. That's the kind of shit that I could almost forgive in a movie if 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 it was better. But yeah. it's just one more thing I kind of want to pile on and be like, get get the fuck out of here with this stuff. I think about this, when they, when they take off, this is the part where the car stuff comes to its conclusion. The mm-hmm. the Malloy car stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Actually, sure. yeah, just like picking on this guy because uh-huh. he's such a douchebag when he rides up in his gloves and his car. Oh yeah, that you want to see that car destroyed, and it's a glorious scene when they it do. does they do. happen. Isn't that your car, Malloy? Couldn't be. I left mine at the office. On any other day, that might seem strange. This is a scene from a better, a much better movie. It is when it's attached to the the back of that plane and it's gliding along, and the Corvette's like just an aerodynamic enough car that you see it gliding. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, like okay, uh-huh. that makes sense. It's kind of like a plane, you know. It's a shark, and this yeah. is its water. No, and then it goes crashing to the ground right in front of them. Yeah, like and if, I loved it. 
there's a scene where Nick Cage gets to do like some uh, kickboxing mm-hmm. uh, and do some do some sweet scissor kicks against the the cartel members. And there again, if it wasn't for the insane coincidence of John Cusack's character arriving to see like like uh, Nick Cage would just be dead, mm-hmm. Poe would be dead. There are two times that happens in this movie. That's the first. Mm-hmm. The second is the prop coming through the wall ah, where yes. Cyrus has him dead to rights, and then yeah, 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 yeah. They both dodge the prop. Yeah. So let's talk about this Las Vegas strip crash. Okay. One of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> uh, I mean, A, some of the, the stuff looks pretty bad. Like, it's got a lot of dated CG in spots mm-hmm. where it mm-hmm. really sticks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of, you can tell they used pulleys and levers and shit to move this plane into position and tried to fix it in post with speeding up and slowing down film. Yeah. Doesn't work. The most egregious thing, though, is just nobody gets killed. No. It's... I mean, this thing comes and lands on a completely empty strip. On any night of the week, yeah. the Las Vegas Strip is packed it's with gridlocked. cars. It's gridlocked. It is. There, there would be no getting out of the way of this thing. Uh-huh. It would come and it would land on the roofs of 100 cars. It would be like Independence Day. Yeah. Like like yeah. you're in New York City and you're trying to flee the explosion. It's just not going to happen. But, but that's the thing. Like, they went for this truly amazing setting of a crash, right? right. If they execute this right, yeah. this is one of the all-time great action scenes. Sure, yeah. But I feel like they needed a shitload of CG to do it. Yeah, and they and didn't quite have it. Uh, and so instead, they have everybody just run out of the way as a plane traveling 500 miles an hour it's very, comes in. Very GI Joe, where every time a tank explodes, you see the Cobra guys scrambling out yeah. because like they don't want a high body count in this movie. I don't get it. There's like one car that gets hit that might have somebody in it. Yeah. Also, I don't know. I'm not an expert in the Vegas Strip, but I feel like that this plane took like three or four right turns. <laughs> Like, to get to all the landmarks all, yeah, exactly yeah. exactly yeah so no you gotta take a left you gotta take, oh, okay it's, yeah it's like what what the fuck it's their night out in vegas yeah true you know that's true it's but, the day but, of the dog but once they crash i'm gonna say this movie gets actually really amazing yeah because to the, the end the plane crash feels like the final set piece yeah and bruckheimer's like oh no 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 hold my beer we're going to high. We're going to hijack yet another large and practical vehicle, yeah. and, and see what what possibilities we got to exploit that when they steal the ladder truck. And, and it's great. They use all the possibilities of a ladder truck. I mean, they use the ladder. They handcuff Cyrus to it. They they extend the ladder, and he crashes into a bridge. Uh, they, in what I think is a genius stroke, they have John Cusack. Fill it full like a goldfish bowl with mm-hmm. water from yeah. the hose. <laughs> while Shit, while. Yeah. Uh, what's his fucking name the the pilot swamp thing yeah swamp thing is trying to drive this truck and i assume he drowns to death (laughs) like it which sounds insane in a car chase but this man drowns while Uh driving a car Uh yeah yeah it's pretty 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 inspired well it's like we talked about this in in uh the rock how there is this uh you just couldn't kill the bad guy you had to have this compound thing like you got to launch him out of a rocket and then he has to fall and get impaled Cyrus Cyrus's death might be one of the greatest examples of that. And then, I mean, it's raining dollar bills yeah. and poker chips. Sure. And uh, like I said, this should be the most amazing sequence in all action history, but they couldn't quite get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked, it is as, as, as big as a spectacle it is, it somehow also looks simultaneously cheap and rushed. Yeah. The other thing I'm amazed at, as I've, we've been talking about this movie, is how kind of superfluous to the plot Nick Cage is. If he wasn't on the plane, I still think John Cusack wins. I guess, okay, maybe also, the one thing he does is go when he starts beating people up. 
He says, fuck this, I'm gonna show you God exists. Hey, where you going? I'm gonna show you God does exist. Yeah. I'm gonna perform a Nicolas Cage <laughs> Christmas miracle yeah. and take out this plane. That's the one thing he does. Yeah, I wanted. Uh, yeah, then and as an atheist, but, I gotta but, say, I'm I'm back to going to church after I saw this movie. Uh, also, again, another little thing I want to point out is now that huh. I'm thinking about it, that attack hol- uh, helicopter s- uh, squadron, as it was filmed, and they literally were in hot pursuit of the co- of the jailbird. All three of those helicopters would have slammed head into head into it. Like the only way oh, they dodge yeah. out of the way is because in actuality this is a very tiny plane. Yeah. They would have just all three of those things, like Colmaney's talking shit and getting an erection from shooting this thing out of the sky, and they just all th- both of the Cobras yeah. and the Huey would just slam into that into a fireball. Which is it, one way to solve the problem. It'd be like an airwolf season finale, is what it would look like. But uh, yeah, anyway, what we, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, Nick Cage right. is, is is like a weird passenger, backseat passenger in this in this movie. And I feel like at some point they say that, don't they? They're like, uh, Nicholas Cage is like. Uh, it's funny that this would happen on the day that I'm released and they somehow found a way to stuck us in the middle of it. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, he's like Forrest Gump. He just kind of keeps on getting in the middle of these important events, but somehow is not shaped by them, nor does he shape them himself. He's got a little Forrest Gump voice, too. I think we're on to oh, something. Yeah. All right, there's one other character that I desperately need to talk about. Okay. And it's going to be tough to be to talk about this character in the terms that the movie wants me to talk about it and also be sensitive to, to oh boy. people of this persuasion. I'm but what the fuck is freak from hackers doing in this film? She can dance or he can dance. Like so, I, this is, this is the crux uh-huh. of my, what the fuck question. Right. What does this movie want me to think is going on here? Is this, is this a transgendered woman? Is this a cross dresser? Is this like, this because the character clearly refers to herself as a she. Okay. But there's no way that a she in physical form would be locked up with these men, right? They, well, they separate this is genders 19... of prisoners. Yeah, but they, 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 I think they go very, that's one of the controversies around transgender people is right. like, they want to put you in with the people that you like, like they want to put you in at your birth sex. They don't give a shit about how you present or, right. You know, the uniquely vulnerable, but, but honestly what the movie wants you to do is a Nelson. Ha ha. Look right. at the weirdo. Yeah. It's hilarious. Ha ha. Prison, uh, prison bitch. Right. Ha-ha, gay, yeah. Ha-ha. Yeah. Just shaking her get ass. Get fucked, movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's, get it's, fucked, 1997. It's it's not the worst thing in the movie, but it's probably up there. Yeah. yeah it's it's just it's just for a laugh. It's yeah. just for a laugh. This movie's for a rated R movie is very afraid to have Nick Cage look like anything but wholesome. Yeah, it's true. I, I think it's because when he finally reunites with his family, they don't want any questions about whether or not this is going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. They really wanted this Cameron Poe character to be like a uh, Bruce Willis type that's in a, a giant building. And he's like guerrilla warfaring here and there and covering his tracks. Or they want it to be like, a, you know, a Steven Seagal under siege. And the basic problem is this is a very this is a big airplane, <laughs> but it's essentially one giant room. Yeah. F- 10,000 feet in the air. No entries, no exits. And he has to do this horse shit. 
I'm a bad guy, but I'm a good guy. And there's the tension of where he'd be figured, figured out or won't he be figured out. And there's a whole bunch of things where the other thing is like all these bad guys continue to bring this stranger into their confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if, if Sean Connery popped up in the rock and general Hummel is like, Oh, you're an ex military guy too. Let me tell you about what I'm exactly going to do. And all my, we like, everyone spills their guts and brings them in his confidence just because Poe's like, hey, I'd really like to know what's going on. I want to know what the plan is. Why you care? I got just as much riding on this as you. We all convicts here. Lerner Airfield, Poe, middle of nowhere. That's our rendezvous point. 49 minutes from anything resembling authority. So, now you know. You know, fuck you. Get back in the plane. In fact, I'm just going to chuck you out because you annoyed me. And, and he accidentally, when he does prove himself, it's by accident, right? Like this, mm -hmm. this confrontation with the DEA agent mm -hmm. on the plane. Uh, he doesn't actually do anything in no. that situation, but Cyrus gives him all the credit. He's he like, just, great he did, job, yeah, Poe. You did, a, you did an effective yeah. distraction. And the other thing is but like... he didn't mean to. And when the DEA guy gets shot in the face, like Nick Cage makes this face like, ah. Oh. If you had just done, the, if you just let me handle, if you just, no, there's no, you did nothing but complicate the situation to get that guy killed. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would watch Con Air when you've got Face Off and when you got The Rock and we got the Predator, you got mm -hmm. so many other really great action. And if you want a dumb action film, a really dumb one, there's always Commando or a heart <laughs> of most of the stuff that Stallone and Schwarzenegger did in the eighties. Why, why are they pushing Nick Cage as an action hero so hard? Well, I was going to say that's the only reason to watch this movie is to see mm -hmm. Nick Cage with that hair and that accent be an action star for two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. That's the only reason to watch it. We said this a little bit about The Rock is that no action movie should be over two hours long. That mm -hmm. goes double. Like maybe you pair this thing down to 90 minutes and you, and you got something. You spend a little bit more time on the actual making the, the breakout actual clever, but they clearly spent all their money on paying big stars and big pyrotechnics and they didn't leave anything over the script. And it's unfortunate. Season of the Cage. We hope you've enjoyed our Super Serious Film Review, but we're not quite done yet. A staple of our Super Serious Reviews is our attempts to rewrite, update, and modernize the movies we watch. If you want to see how the rewrite for this movie turned out, head to club.baldmove.com or click the link in this video to sign up and get access to this and other bonus club content. I said, put the bunny back in the box.